Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Have you ever thought about how you would share God's judgment with someone? I imagine that rubs some of you the wrong way. So I'm going to ask for your patience, if not curiosity today. There is a redeemed by the gospel and drenched in love way to do that. And we're going to hear about it today in Ezekiel. But here's a sneak peek. We should hurt for the lost like God hurts for the lost with urgency and conviction. And here we are blessed to be on another episode of our journey together through the Bible, reading every single word and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, which includes remembering a simple truth about reading and applying the Bible. Be wary about getting too dogmatic about something that only appears once. And I'm speaking about our New Testament segment today because we're going to hear the rather short finale to the book of Mark. And if you're looking at a Bible, and I hope you're not, that's probably why you're listening, Mark 16, 9 through 20 is one of those few places where there's probably a note in your Bible that says something like, some of the earliest manuscripts conclude with chapter 16, verse 8. Now, the truth is, this ending of Mark is something that even real scholars don't know about. They just speculate. Did it just end abruptly? That wouldn't be out of place for Mark's style. Or was it somehow lost? We don't know. And this isn't the place to go into it deeply, but this tail end of Mark in your contemporary Bible was likely added on and not part of the original manuscript, as best we can tell from dating and analyzing manuscripts. Now, it doesn't mean, catch this, it does not mean that it's not true. It's just that we should weigh it accordingly. And that gets us back to that rule uh, of thumb about getting dogmatic about something that appears only once in the whole Bible. And I'll let you figure out what exactly I'm talking about. Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. Early on the first day of the week, after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe it. After this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on their way to the country. And they went and reported it to the rest, who didn't believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will get well. So the Lord Jesus, after speaking to them, 
was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the accompanying signs. And my friends, that, <laughs> that wraps up Mark chapter 16 and the whole caboodle. So we know that most of the signs that we just read happened in the days of the apostles, right? Capital A apostles, the original witnesses are those who received their information directly from a witness, such as Paul's encounter with snakebite on the island of Malta in Acts chapter 28. But that might be associated with the spiritual gift of healing. We should just hold it lightly. Of course, that doesn't mean it wouldn't be a lot more fun to go start our own church and cult and turn snake handling into an element of worship service, right? Yeah. Turning to our Old Testament segment, a couple of days ago in Ezekiel 18, we heard God reveal that each person will be held responsible for his or her own sin. And yesterday, we heard God reveal the sin of Israel's leaders and its people. And today... God reveals what it will be like when the day of reckoning arrives. Now, to be fair, this one's pretty heavy, but I believe it's incorrect to preach the whole counsel of God without speaking of God's judgment. The lesson again, though, is that drenched in the gospel, we should hurt for the lost like God hurts for the lost with urgency and conviction. Today, we're in Ezekiel starting in uh, chapter 20, picking up at verse 45. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, face the south and preach against it. Prophesy against the forest land in the Negev and say to the forest there, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I am about to ignite a fire in you and it will devour every green tree and every dry tree in you. The blazing flame will not be extinguished and every face from the south to the north will be scorched by it. Then all humanity will see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It will not be extinguished. Then I said, O Lord God, they are saying of me, isn't he just composing parables? The word of the Lord came to me again. Son of man, face Jerusalem and preach against the sanctuaries. Prophesy against the land of Israel and say to it, this is what the Lord says, I am against you. I will draw my sword from its sheath and cut off from you both the righteous and the wicked. Since I will cut off both the righteous and the wicked, my sword will therefore come out of its sheath against all humanity from the south to the north. So all humanity will know that I, the Lord, have taken my sword from its sheath. It will not be sheathed again. But you, son of man... Catch this, friends. Here it is. But you, son of man, groan, groan bitterly with a broken heart right before their eyes. And when they ask you, why are you groaning? Then say, because of the news that is coming. Every heart will melt and every hand will become weak. Every spirit will be discouraged and all knees will run with urine. Yes, it is coming and it will happen. This is the declaration of the Lord God. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy. This is what the Lord says. You are to proclaim a sword 
A sword is sharpened and also polished. It is sharpened for slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. Should we rejoice? The scepter of my son, the sword despises every tree. The sword is given to be polished, to be grasped in the hand. It is sharpened and it is polished to be put in the hand of the slayer. Cry out and wail, son of man, for it is against my people. It is against all the princes of Israel. They are given over to the sword with my people. Therefore, strike your thigh in grief. Surely it will be a trial. And what if the sword despises even the scepter? The scepter will not continue. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So you, son of man, prophesy and clap your hands together. Let the sword strike two times, even three. It is a sword for massacre, a sword for great massacre. It surrounds them. I have appointed a sword for slaughter at all their gates, so that their hearts may melt and many may stumble. Yes, it is ready to flash like lightning. It is drawn for slaughter. Slash to the right, turn to the left, wherever your blade is directed. I also will clap my hands together and I will satisfy my wrath. I, the Lord, have spoken. The word of the Lord came to me. Now you, son of man, mark out two roads that the sword of Babylon's king can take. Both of them should originate from the same land. Make a signpost at the fork in the road to each city. Mark out a road that the sword can take to Rabbah of the Ammonites and to Judah into fortified Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon stands at the split at the, in the road, at the fork of the two roads, to practice divination. He shakes the arrows, consults the idols, and observes the liver. The answer marked Jerusalem appears in his right hand, indicating that he should set up battering rams, give the order to slaughter, raise a battle cry, set battering rams against the gates, build a ramp, and construct a siege wall. It will seem like false divination to those who have sworn an oath to the Babylonians, but it will draw attention to their guilt so that they will be captured. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Because you have drawn attention to your guilt, exposing your transgressions, so that your sins are revealed in all your actions, since you have done this, you will be captured by them. And you, profane and wicked prince of Israel, the day has come for your punishment. This is what the Lord God says. Remove the turban and take off the crown. Things will not remain as they are. Exalt the lowly and bring down the exalted. A ruin, a ruin. I will make it a ruin. Yet this will not happen until he comes. I have given the judgment to him. Now you, son of man, prophesy and say, this is what the Lord God says concerning the Ammonites and their contempt. You are to proclaim a sword. A sword is drawn for slaughter, polished to consume, to flash like lightning. While they offer false visions and lying divinations about you, the time has come to put you to the necks of the profane wicked ones. The day has come for final punishment. Return it to its sheath. 
I will judge you in the place where you were created, in the land of your origin. I will pour out my indignation on you. I will blow the fire of my fury on you. I will hand you over to brutal men, skilled at destruction. You will be fuel for the fire. Your blood will be spilled within the land. You will not be remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken. Last little section, Indictment of Sinful Jerusalem. The word of the Lord came to me. As for you, son of man, will you pass judgment? Will you pass judgment against the city of blood? Then explain all her detestable practices to her. I'm just going to pause. That could have sounded like, will you pass judgment, meaning are your sins clean before me? No, it's, he's asking, Ezekiel, will you be the messenger. I'll just start that again. This is important. Because what does God tell him to do? Here we go. The word of the Lord came to me. As for you, son of man, will you pass judgment? Will you pass judgment against the city of blood? Then explain all her detestable practices to her. You are to say, this is what the Lord God says a city that sheds blood within her walls so that her time of judgment has come and who makes idols for herself so that she is defiled. You are guilty of the blood you have shed and you are defiled from the idols you have made. You have brought your judgment days near and have come to your years of punishment. Therefore, I have made you a disgrace to the nations and a mockery to all the lands. Those who are near and those who are far away from you will mock you you infamous one full of turmoil. Look, every prince of Israel within you has used his strength to shed blood. Father and mother are treated with contempt, and the resident alien is exploited within you. The fatherless and widow are oppressed in you. You despise my holy things and profane my Sabbaths. There are men within you who slander in order to shed blood. People who live in you eat at the mountain shrines. They commit depraved acts within you. Men within you have sexual intercourse with their father's wife and violate women during their menstrual impurity. One man within you commits a detestable act with his neighbor's wife. Another defiles his daughter-in-law with depravity. And yet another violates his sister, his father's daughter. People who live in you accept bribes in order to shed blood. You take interest and profit on a loan and brutally extort your neighbors. You have forgotten me. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Now look, I clap my hands together against the dishonest profit you have made and against the blood shed among you. Will your courage endure or your hands be strong in the days when I deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and I will act. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you among the countries. I will purge your uncleanness. You will be profaned in the sight of the nations. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 22, verse 16. So if we were looking at a commentary, oh, I do that around here. And ask the question, what can we learn? There's kind of like three characteristics of God's judgment. First of all, it's complete. 
Second of all, it is controlled, meaning it's very specific. And finally, and here's the big one, it's with cause, right? God is perfectly fair in this context. Well, in every context. But how might we respond drenched in the gospel? Well, if we take the whole of God's word seriously, meaning with urgency in the same way Ezekiel did, we heard him say, groan bitterly with a broken heart right before their eyes. And I just want to say, there's a time to speak and a time not to speak. There's a time to love and a time to confront, meaning confront in love. So I'm not saying we stand on a street corner and just preach judgment. I've seen that guy on the street corner in Portland, Oregon, with the sign said, I'm just going to be crude because this is what the sign said. God hates fags, and he's preaching at people <laughs> like in King James language. I, I would err on the side of relationship and love. But the lesson drenched in the gospel is that if we never tell someone what the consequences of sin are, we're not really loving them. Be kind of like saying to your kid, oh, heroin makes you feel good. Well, then go ahead and do it. Yeah. And one other thing, just in case you might think that grace is just a New Testament thing, if we zoom out from this passage that we just read, if there's a question on the table of like, well, how can we avoid God's judgment? Well, we know repent and believe in the New Testament, but there is an simple answer back in Ezekiel 18.32 of turning and living, right? It's echoed in Christ's call to repent and believe. And the question then, of course, is how will we escape God's sword and fire? All this stuff that we just, just shared. And I'm going to spend a little extra time on this today, and then we're going to close with a psalm. But remember that God gave Zechariah the answer long before Christ's incarnation. The Lord said, sword awake against my shepherd. Oh, oh, sword against my shepherd? Against the man who is my associate? This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts, right? Christ did not come just to wield God's sword of judgment. He also came to receive it on our behalf. The reason we will not be slashed is because Christ was, right? It also means God's fires of judgment will refine us rather than ruin us. So we should hurt for the lost like God hurts for the lost with urgency and conviction. And perhaps that includes an invitation to meet God face to face, to be somewhere where you belong, not based on your merit or accomplishment because we're all equal before a holy God. That should be, that should give us as much humility as anything on the whole planet. Because there, but for the grace of God, go I. How could we not share that? Psalm 84, for the choir director on the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of God. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow 
a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my king and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Selah. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Selah. Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of Armies. And that is Psalm 84. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen. Amen.